0: Hi. This is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope, that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I am so thrilled to introduce today's guest, Dr. Bruce Lipton. He is a pioneer in the study of epigenetics and his work has given so much hope to so many. Dr. Lipton, cell biologist and lecturer, is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Bruce was on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and later performed groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University. He is the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, The Honeymoon Effect, and co author with Steve Behrman of Spontaneous Evolution. Bruce received the 2009 prestigious Goy Peace Award in honor of his scientific contribution to world harmony. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Bruce, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's r-e-v-i-v-e wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, Bruce. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here today.
1: I can tell you how excited I am to be on your show today because we have some really empowering insights to offer about the nature of cancer.
0: I'm just so thrilled. And and I told people ahead of time that I'll be talking to you. And, you know, in my community, I have a lot of friends who have the BRCA gene? Yes, and that causes, as you know, so much fear. I mean, either their kids have it, they or their husbands have it, and they don't know what to do. And they hear, oh, they should, you know, have a prophylactic, yes, mastectomy, and the whole thing. So, I would love you to address that. What can you say to them? Because I've been telling them about you.
1: I would love to start with this, and I'm going to perhaps blow your mind, but I want to give you a scientific reality. There's not one gene that causes cancer. There's no gene. If you have this gene, you automatically get cancer. And this is true for the BRCA gene as well. Why? 50% of the women that carry the gene never get the cancer. So the first thing you have to recognize is this, the gene doesn't automatically predispose you to cancer at all. The gene is correlated with cancer, but does not cause the cancer. Uh, And so we have some interesting things to talk about, because our conventional belief and stuff that I even used to teach in medical school years ago is the belief that genes uh, control the character of our lives. And most everybody walks away with, yes, genes, uh, they turn on and off by themselves without my even being involved. You know, just walking down the street, one day a cancer gene turned on. Uh, And then you start to realize that we were programming people to be victims. We were programming them because what we were trying to tell them was simply this, is that When you have a gene, you have a propensity toward cancer, but it doesn't mean you have cancer. But nobody sees that propensity part, so they say gene cancer, gene cancer, and I go, well, this is bad for a couple of reasons. I can tell you very clearly why this is bad, because consciousness is what generates the cancer. And if your mind has been programmed with a fear, you're gonna be debilitated right away in many different ways. I'll give you one of them, okay? when stress hormones are released into the body, one of the major functions of stress hormones is to shut down the immune system. Because when you're in stress, usually it's the idea of the saber-toothed tiger chasing you. And when stress hormones are put in the body, their function is to provide all the energy to the arms and legs, because that's what you need to get away from a saber-toothed tiger. And so basically it says, what does that mean? I said, when stress hormones go into the body, they redirect blood flow. Matter of fact, the first thing you can feel is what they call butterflies in the stomach. And I go, what's that? And I say, the blood vessels in the uh, stomach start to squeeze shut when the hormones are there. I say, why? Well, that makes the blood go further outside, not stay in in the body, in the viscera. The blood is now, when it squeezes blood vessels, it pushes them to go to the arms and legs. That's where we run. The immune system protects me on the inside, while the adrenal fight-or-flight system protects me on the outside. So if I'm being chased from the outside, uh, my immune system takes a break. (laughs) Your immune system uses so much energy, you might be familiar with the fact that when you were sick, sometimes you didn't have energy to get out of bed. So uh, if I need all the energy to run away from a tiger, I, I really suppress the immune system. So let me give you a fact about that when doctors want to transplant an organ from person A into person B they give the recipient stress hormones before the operation because the stress hormones stop the immune system from rejecting the foreign graft so i say the effect of the immune system uh, by uh, uh, you know given by the stress hormones is so <laughs> powerful that they even use it to stress hormones to shut down the immune system in a therapeutic case like transplanting an organ. So I want you to know the more fear you're under, the less able your immune system is going to help you take care of that. Okay.
0: Yeah. I feel like the conventional model is just so fear-based and so many people I talk to, they just have so much fear. So what do you say? How do they help themselves with that?
1: Okay, because then we have to understand, how is life controlled? Because the program we all went to school with is genes or blueprints that unfold in our character of our life as a reflection of our blueprints, okay? Uh, And this is a concept called genetic determinism. Now, when it comes to cancer, I'll give you a story that, well, then, when you understand this, it's like, okay, wait, maybe that's not true. I go, when they follow the fate of a child adopted into a family where there's cancer running in the family the adopted child will get the same family cancer as natural siblings do, but the adopted child came from totally different genetics. What's the point? The cancer does not arise from genetics. The cancer arrives from not living in harmony with your life. And when you get in disharmony, it it alters this. Now, Step up! I got to go back as another major step here because I said with the picture of uh, you know the uh, cancer in my head because the doctor just said, "Oh, you got the breast cancer gene." Immediately, the fear of oh my god! You can see all the, you know the cancer is growing. People are dying in mastectomies, And I go, "That's immediately the picture because that's uh, that that's what it has to bring up in your mind." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said. That picture results in the stress hormones being released, which we just said interferes with the immune system, okay? But people, here's how the biology works. The idea that genes control our life and turn on and off is 100% false. False scientifically, a gene is a blueprint to make proteins in the body. The proteins are the building blocks, like a Lego set. Hundred thousand different proteins, like hundred thousand different Lego pieces. You put them in different sequences. You make a muscle cell with some of those proteins. Take some other proteins, you make a you know brain cell over here. Take some of these and these, you make a skin cell. So your body is really a protein mechanism. Okay genes are blueprints to make a protein that's exactly what they are i'm not going to mix words with it why it's a sequence to tell you how to make a protein which is a complex molecule like so what i say well go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint and just lean over her shoulder and go hey is your blueprint on or off and she will look at you what are you crazy it's a blueprint there's no on and off i go precisely The blueprint does not activate itself. It's the consciousness that pulls up the blueprint. And the consciousness is the architect that designs the structure called the body. If you change your picture of your consciousness, you change the character of your body. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, I thought genes did that. I say no, the brain is the architect that reads the blueprints called genes. And so the point about is this, you can have a blueprint. I say, yeah, but a blueprint doesn't turn on and off. This is a blueprint. So the gene didn't cause the cancer. The cancer had to be called up by the architect because the genes don't turn on and off by themselves That's a fact of life. (laughs) Okay. So then I said, well, then who's the architect I said the mind. I said, well, how does this work? Well, the new science is called not genetics. It sounds the same. It's called epigenetics. I said, what's the difference? Well, Genetics is the belief that you've been programmed with a genes turn on and off, which makes you a victim of your heredity. Oh, it's running in the family. I got the gene. Oh my God, I'm going to get this. I go, totally false. Okay. This new science is called epigenetics. Epi means above. So when we talk about skin, we give it the name epidermis. So what does that mean? I say above the dermis, epi, above dermis. I say, yeah, just underneath the skin at the top is a layer called dermis. So skin is above dermis, epidermis. So I say epigenetic control is, and this is the fact of the new science, control above epi, control above the genes, epigenetic. Genes cannot control themselves. You've been programmed with that belief. 100% false because that makes you a victim. I say, where's power come from? I say, ah, Well, if you're the architect, then you can change the image that you're building. And I go, that is where the point comes down to. And I say, what's the image you're building? I say, you're ready? Whatever picture you hold in your mind, the brain translates into chemistry, complementary chemistry that goes into the blood and throughout the body and adjusts the genetics. Your picture is going to translate your body and behavior into a complement of that picture. And I said, well, what's the first picture you get? Oh, my God, cancer, tumor, growth, sickness, hospital, hair falling out. I go, stop that, (laughs) because you are now translating those pictures into chemistry to manifest those pictures. This is important. Another important fact. Remember, I said genes didn't cause this because 90% of cancer has no family lineage. 90% of cancer, people just got cancer, never had it in their family, okay? So the story about the adopted kid, that story right there, the fact that genes cannot turn on and off says, well, wait a minute, then what the hell can I do? And I say, you're not living in harmony when a cancer is manifest. Here's an important point. Ready? Ready? The cancer cell is not the problem. What do you mean it's not the problem? I say, it's what causes the cancer cell is the problem. The cancer cell, by absolute definition, ready, is a symptom of cancer. The cancer started before the cancer cells started to accumulate. That's a secondary consequence. And I say, just stop and understand this. The gene did not cause a cancer it was lot living in harmony, consciously having a problem that manifests itself, and I go, so what? And I go, well, then the gene didn't do this. That's the first thing you got to understand, and that the cells, when they show up in cancer, didn't just spontaneously form cancer. The cells were programmed to form cancer. I go, where'd the program come from? I said, the consciousness of the individual. Don't turn off yet, because a lot of people say, I caused my cancer. Yeah. But guess what? No one told you how it worked. Uh, And if you don't know how it works, then the cancer is an accident until you understand how it works. Okay. So now let's go back and say, well, I'm on a cure cancer. I say, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill the cancer cells. I go, well, there's your problem right there. The cancer cells are the problem of something that causes cancer. They're the manifestation of the cancer. They're not the cause. They're the manifestation I say, so well, let's get to the cause. And I say, well, it's not the genes. The new science epigenetics says that our consciousness is above the genes. And then all of a sudden you say, I consciously created cancer. I go, no, nope, nope, nope. Let's stop in here. Let's fix this fact. It's caused by the mind. Yes, the mind causes cancer. But then listen, there are two parts to the mind. It's not one. The mind, the mind. No, no. Two minds come together and make the mind the latest evolution of the mind is right behind your forehead is a lobe of brain tissue called the prefrontal cortex. It's just a, it sticks out. If you look at a picture of the brain, there's like a little piece that sticks out in front of the brain. This is called the prefrontal cortex. This is where you as an identity are. This is where you as a spirit is. This is you. Okay. But 90% of the brain back here is called not the conscious brain It's called the subconscious First definition, sub, below conscious. Not conscious, below conscious. Meaning the subconscious operates without you paying any attention or seeing it or anything. Uh, And a lot of people think, well, that's where the evil comes from, the subconscious. I go, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, You got that wrong. (laughs) Because a lot of great things come from that subconscious. And I'll give you an example right now. We learned how to walk. that's a program because the subconscious mind is habits. And there are good habits and there are bad habits. And I say, look, you learned how to walk before you were two. You can be 102 and never have to, again, learn how to walk. It's the same program you got before two ago, 100 years. It's called a habit. So the subconscious mind has habits in it, okay? Behavioral programs that are automatic. The conscious mind is creative. That's the beautiful part about humans. So we have conscious, creative, subconscious habit okay now here comes the the big monkey wrench in the machine i go what's that i say when you're operating from the conscious mind that's the creative mind you can manifest your life from that creative mind wishes and desires aspirations in life if i ask you what you want out of your life you answer me that answer is coming from the creative conscious mind creating what do you want create okay and i go that's great mind that makes humans different than all the other animals on this planet. But here comes the important part. Um, it, it sounds silly for a second, but you gotta understand why. The conscious mind can not only create, the conscious mind can think. I go, what do you mean think? So I say, um, uh, "Haley, uh, a, a few days from now, it's gonna be Saturday. Could you tell me what you're doing on Saturday? And Haley is now in a process of thinking. I say, where's her consciousness focused? She's not looking out at us anymore. Her consciousness went inside looking for what am I doing on Saturday? What am I doing? I go, that, that, ladies and gentlemen out there is the biggest damn issue in cancer right now. I'm going to tell you why. You didn't create cancer with your conscious mind, wishes, and desires. No, that's not where it came from. And the significance you need to know is a fact only 5% of the day. Are you creating life from your conscious mind, wishes and desires? Are you 5% of the day as you're actually moving toward wishes and desires? Say, so what about 95%? I go, the conscious mind can think when the conscious mind's thinking. It's not looking out the window. It's looking inside. So the moment the conscious mind is thinking, here it goes. The subconscious mind is autopilot. It means whatever you were doing, I'm driving the car, I'm paying attention to where I'm going, and all of a sudden I start thinking. And as I start thinking, my mind goes inside and I go, but you're not paying attention to the road. Because sometimes then you look out the road and then it says, oh my God, I've been driving for the last few minutes. I haven't even paid any attention to the road. I go, don't worry. Because the moment you went inside, subconscious autopilot takes over the control. Of things it does by habits. Okay. Well, here comes the point 95% of the day is the amount of thinking you're doing. And I say, when you're thinking, you're looking inside, so you're not looking out. I go, So what? And I say, When the subconscious steps in, you don't see the behavior because you're still thinking, subconscious is running an automatic habit. And you go, So where did I get those habits? I go, That, ladies and gentlemen, is the next big issue. The first seven years of a child's life, the brain is like a computer. You can buy a brand new computer, but if there are no programs in the computer, (laughs) it doesn't do anything. Before you can even use the computer, you have to put the programs in the computer and they go into the hard drive, program. I go, a child's brain is a computer, first seven years. The screen is on, but (laughs) at this point, it's downloading programs to use for its life. I say, where did the programs come from? I said, first seven years of a child's life, they're programmed to observe the mother, the father, the family, and the community, observe their behavior like a video recorder and download that behavior. And that's because a child has to learn thousands of rules to be a member of a family and a community, and it can't go to school, can't read a book. So nature created download. So just like in a computer, it, the uh, screen of the baby's computer actually lights up in the last trimester of pregnancy. It begins to download programs through age seven. And through age seven is because the child's not predominantly unconscious in brain function. Be, before age seven, the brain function, the vibration, we call it the brain, EEG, electroencephalograph. The brain function is theta, which is based like on imagination, but it's also hypnosis. Children under seven can mix real world and imaginary world imagination, a tea party, pour nothing into the cup, drink the nothing, and then say that was the best tea you ever had. That's theta, but it's also hypnosis. So you downloaded behavior, how to be a member of a family, what kind of behaviors you needed to know to navigate in their family and their community before age seven by what? downloading while the brain is in a state of hypnosis and consciousness is not there, which means whatever programs went in, good or bad, there was no consciousness to filter them, good and bad, downloaded.
0: So if your mother has a lot of anxiety or depression or that kind of stuff, yes, are you, you're
1: downloading all that? Absolutely. Because now here's the story again. When I was teaching in medical school early on, we said, Well, what's the you know, what's the mother to do to be the best mother? Well, eat well, take vitamins and supplements, exercise. And I go, that's it. I go, back then, yeah, it was it, because we would say, Oh, the genes would program the fetus and its development, the mother just had to nourish it. That was before the science of epigenetics that says environment is programming the genes. I go, well, what's the environment of the fetus? I say, the blood of the mother. I say, so what, it provides nutrition. Like I said, yeah, but also it has emotional hormones and chemicals from the brain, neuro, neurogenic peptides, things that control our biology. So the fetus is not just getting nutrition, it's getting information. The information that the mother is experiencing. Is she a happy mother? Is she afraid mother? an angry mother? I go, these are different chemicals that come out of the brain to express those behaviors. But those chemicals go into the blood. They organize the mother's body to respond. But they also go into the fetus. And so the fetus is experiencing everything the mother is experiencing, not with the details, but with the emotions, happiness, joy, fear, pain, anger. Whatever the mother's feeling, the fetus is feeling the same thing because the blood is shared with the fetus. So uh, learning starts before the fetus is even born, okay? But the next seven years is when the brain is in a record mode to learn behavior, which then ultimately run 95% of our life, which you're unaware of because it's called subconscious. So you're driving the car with a conscious mind, you're paying attention to everything. Let's say you have somebody in the car and you're paying attention to the road, then you get in a conversation, ah, blah, 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 and you're talking and talking, then you look out the window and you go, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five or so minutes. I go, okay, now two questions. Uh, Tell me uh, what your conversation was about. Oh, we talked about this and this and this. And then I say, and what was on the road during that five minutes? You go, I have
0: no idea. Right. I do that all the time.
1: (laughs) That's the picture. We all do this. And I say, well, what's the picture? I said, when your conscious mind was not focused and your subconscious is running the show, You're the only one who didn't see the show. You didn't even see your own behavior. I said, what was your behavior? I said, whatever your program was, was your behavior. Yeah, but if you have dysfunctional parents (laughs) and and then 95% of the day you're playing their behavior, then you have a dysfunctional life yourself. And this is where the issue comes from, is that 95% of the day you are operating automatically, subconscious, below consciousness, with programs you downloaded from other people. It's not your behavior. And, uh, and this becomes very critical because this is where family gets carrying a cancer because it runs in a family. And I go, it's not the gene. That's what we always said. Genes carry in the family. But it turns out, no, programming is passed from parent to child during the first seven years. If the parent has a dysfunctional program, so does the child. And that's how an adopted child coming in is getting misprogrammed by the misprogramming running through that family, not by the genes. And all of a sudden it says, oh my God, then I created this cancer. I said, you didn't even see it. I say, why? Because the behavior that generated that cancer, your mind wasn't paying attention. It was thinking. And if it was thinking, it's not observing. That leads me to the story I've told for over 40 years, same story. You have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as the parent. So you you know, you're going to, hey, Bill, hey, you're just like your dad. Back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. It's inevitable. It always comes out like this. He says, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And people laugh because they have the experience. I said, That's the most profound story in the whole world. Get it? Why? Everybody else can see Bill's behavior because he got that behavior from his dad. And that's why he's replaying it. The only one who can't see that behavior is Bill. And I said, guess what? We are all Bill. Every day we're doing this, we're playing programs 95% of the day, which we rarely, rarely observe with the conscious mind. Sometimes you come out of a thought, and then you realize, Oh, I'm acting just like my mom. Oh, I'm acting just like my dad. You didn't, you know, you, you didn't see it, but just see the tail end of the <laughs> habit playing itself out. You go, Oh, <laughs> and so back to cancer. Do genes cause cancer? No. Genes will support a propensity toward cancer uh, if they're activated. Do genes get activated by themselves? No. Genes are activated by our experiences. Okay. And I'm saying what experiences primarily activate them? The downloaded programs by observing our family. If our family is not living in harmony, then 95% of the day, unknown to you, your subconscious habit programs will take you out of harmony. The only thing you'll see is the result. Things didn't work. I got unhealthy. I'm upset. Uh, uh, I get the conclusion of it. But then because we never see our own environment, then we say, well, why are you upset? Those people did this. Those people did that. And I go, you didn't see 95% of the day you were engaging those people to do that because that was your subconscious program. So basically, and then I go back and say, okay, so the result of not living in harmony is an alteration. The cells start to manifest a cancerous state, a tumor. And I say, is the tumor the cause of the problem? I say, well, the tumor can cause a problem on its own, but the tumor was not an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. It was there because of something before the tumor. Our consciousness was not in harmony. So it says, well, is the big deal going out and killing the cells with poison and you know chemotherapy and radiation and all that stuff? I go, if a cancer is fast growing, yeah. Why? Because it'll at least stall it for a moment. But it's not going to cure cancer. It, that's not its mission. That just knocks out the symptom of cancer of the cells to cure cancer, you got to go back up in your consciousness. Can you change that? Yeah, it's called spontaneous remission for sure. That's when people all of a sudden heal. How? Well, we don't know. And I go, yes, we do. They change their consciousness. If you have any doubt about this, one of my dearest friends, okay, Anita Morjani, and she wrote a book, Dying to Be Me, And I love this woman. And for me, she's the example that you should all recognize. She had four years of cancer. The last couple, the last week of her life, she was on support machines. She was emaciated, cancer lumps sticking out of her body. No, you know, she was essentially not there. She goes into a coma. Doctor calls her family and says, come quickly. This is the end of this woman's life. She has an out-of-body experience, a consciousness thing. And she resolved the issue that ultimately caused the consciousness. It was the, 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 the sadness, the anger, the fear. As an Indian woman, she, uh, two days before an arranged marriage, ran away. <laughs> and that made her family embarrassed and all that. And she carried that. She embarrassed her father and family by doing this. And that thing that she was holding on to was disharmony. And gave her the cancer. On the last day of her life, she saw in her consciousness and out-of-body experience that she resolved this issue with her father. And guess what? She woke up, and immediately the body started working right away. No more machines. Shut the machines down. All of a sudden, she was like eating food and happy. And within three weeks, zero cancer in her body. Zero. So incredible. It was really going away from the moment she woke up. And the reality was what? No drugs or anything did this. A change of consciousness did this. And this is my whole message that Haley's letting me talk about here, because as a pioneer in the science of epigenetics, I'm totally aware how the environment, uh, uh, especially the blood of the cells, which is the environment for the cells, the chemistry of that environment controls the genes, not the genes controlling themselves. And the chemistry of the environment, the blood is controlled by the brain. And then I go, so what should the chemistry be that the brain is putting in? I say, whatever the picture is in the mind, the brain will translate that into complementary chemistry. For example, if you open your eyes and you see love, you release wonderful things into the blood, such as dopamine, pleasure. That's what we, you know, being in love, oh, chemistry of love, dopamine, oxytocin, bonding to your loved one, growth hormone. I go, it does what it says. And I go, what do you mean? I say, people all say, oh, look, see how in love they are. See how they glow, see how healthy they are. That's a result of the chemistry of love. But if you opened your eyes and you had some fear, then the fear picture doesn't release love chemistry. It releases stress hormones and factors that affect the immune system. Completely different programming. And I go, and where the program come from? The picture. You could kill all the damn cancer cells down here, but if you didn't change the picture, that was the cause. I said, where's the picture? I said, it's in the program. I said, where did the program come? First seven years of life. And I go, you weren't there. Your consciousness didn't come into a character of your predominant function, brain, until seven or older. Uh, The Jesuits have known this for 400 years. They would tell their followers, listen, give me a child until it is seven and I will show you the man. I said, what did they know? Exactly what I just told you, the recent science. Seven years programming, and after that seven years, 95% of life comes from that program. So give me the seven years to program, and I will control the rest of the life. And I said, they've known that for 400 years, and we are being programmed better today than than the Jesuits were programming with Catholics all back 400 years ago. You see an infant with an iPad, I go, oh, then I've seen some programming going on here, folks, okay? so. Point. You have a life. It's based on your consciousness, but ninety-five percent of your consciousness is subconscious. Meaning, it's happening when you're unaware. It's like Bill playing his father's behavior, and he be the only one unaware. Okay, so we're all Bill in this case. Then it really goes on. It's the incumbent to say, "Well, what, what the hell were the programs?" I go, "You know why? You don't know. You were being programmed before you were born. Last trimester of pregnancy." Have no idea in the world what the hell that program was. Okay, wait, wait. You were programming a whole year from zero to one. I say, what programs did you download? Then you go, you have no idea of even the experiences generally. I go, okay, you got another whole year from one to two. What was what program? You go not really sure. Two to three, oh, about three. You can pick up some memories of how this programming came down. Okay, but here's the point: you don't know your programs. And I said but here's the other point. of your life is coming from your program. Your life is a printout of your program. Look at your life right now. It's so simple. And I give you a simple fact. The things that you like that come into your life, they come in because you have programs to support them. But the things you wish for and desire and you work hard, sweat over, put a lot of, I'm gonna make this happen, I'm gonna get healthy, I'm gonna find a relationship, I'm gonna do a great job, I'm working on it. I go, why are you working so hard on those things? And the answer is the programs you got for those destinations don't support your vision. And now you're trying to use 5% conscious mind, override 95% subconscious program. got to work
0: hard. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: so uh, basically, that's the story from um, Soup to Nuts.
2: The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfelt. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting-edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more about what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarbfulcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series, where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McClell and Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Naysha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carvel Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarvelcenter.com.
0: Well, so how do you change that programming?
1: Whoever asked that question, everybody asks that question. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, here's where the problem comes from. The two minds, conscious, subconscious, have different functions. We just talked about them. The function of the conscious mind is creative. And if you have imagination, you can manifest. If you have no imagination, you have no place to go. This is an unfortunate part with our children today because they don't see the world as any future for them at all so they have no destination guess what they're lost and anybody who has no vision of the future is ending essentially because there's no place to go but (laughs) i say the uh conscious minds creative subconscious minds habits programs push a button it'll play that program your entire life okay now if it's a bad program That's where the problem comes, because every time you push that program, you'll play the behavior that is not supporting you, and you'll be the only one not seeing that you're sabotaging yourself. You'll look at it as problems with other people, not taking it home. So here's the issue. They learn differently, and that's where the problem comes from. The conscious mind creative can learn any creative way. Read a self-help book and i i talked to other people i say, oh you read this book and i say, yeah they say i read it and i said i'll give you a quiz and i get a hundred on the quiz yep you read the book and i say well now that you finished the book did your life change and the answer is "Nah, not really i go why because reading a book gives knowledge to the creative conscious mind but the important details in that book did not get into the subconscious mind because that's not how it learns. So that you, we educate our conscious minds through videos, books, seminars, this program. We, we can elevate and educate our conscious mind, which is really good, but you're only using it 5% of the time. So at some point, that's really nice education. Did it make a difference? Not really. Okay. But... 95% is coming from the subconscious and it doesn't learn that way. And the first thing, which is always a joke to me because people talk to myself, I'm gonna give myself a good talking to. Don't do this again. I told you not to do that. I told you not to do that. I told you not to do that. And then you keep telling yourself not to do it. And then I say, who are you talking to? Who are you saying don't do that? Oh, I'm talking to the subconscious. I go, there's nobody in there. It's a hard drive. You want to change a hard drive by talking to it, then talk to your computer for a while and tell it to change something. It's not going to respond. Neither will the subconscious. Ah! So conscious creative mind can change, just go, ah, I got a new idea, I can just change it. Subconscious mind's habit, understand, a thing called a habit does not want to change. If a habit changes, then it's not a habit anymore. So once you get a habit, that program wants to stay exactly where it is. Okay. So I said, well, then how would I put a new habit in there? I say, how did it get in there get in there in the first place? I go, ah, first seven years, my brain was the low vibration frequency called theta, which is just below consciousness. That's a state of imagination. Okay. I say, it learns when the brain is in theta. That's when you get sleepy. Okay, in the old days, hypnotherapists used to have a swinging watch, and they'd have the patient watch, watch the watch, watch. And then they'd say, "You're getting sleepy. You're getting tired." They did that because if you can slow down the brain to right next to theta, you opened up a window of download. So hypnotherapy says, if we can get you into theta, we can talk to your subconscious, download it. That's how it did it for the first seven years anyway. So I say, so what's the point? I go, the brain has different vibrations. The lowest is delta, that's outright unconscious sleep. The next level is theta, it's a higher vibration. And then the next level up is a higher vibration called alpha, which is consciousness, but calm consciousness. And then the next higher level of vibration is called beta, which is like schoolroom-focused consciousness. So, for example, an adult working right now, talking, listening, is in beta, high-functioning consciousness. But when you go home, you relax. And as you relax, uh, the vibrations start to slow down in the calm state. Now you're in alpha. You went from beta work, alpha home at calm. And the moment the vibration drops to the next level, which is theta, is when you went to sleep because consciousness like a switch. Boom, alpha stops. You're sleeping, next level, theta. I go, ah, but theta is hypnosis. I go, yeah. And then I go, resolution, change away, number one. When you go to bed at night, put earphones on, and play a program that will help you get to your destination. They have self-help programs all over the place, bookstores and things like that. Uh, find relationships, find better health, do a better job, make more money. These are programs. And at night, you put the earphones on just before you go to bed. And by the time you're, you actually fall asleep, your eyes are closed, guess what? They just open. And whatever's coming through the earphones, not going into the conscious mind, and theta, it's going into the subconscious mind. So you're programming hypnosis, self hypnosis, with the earphones on at night. But theta is a short period of time after you your eyes close. So you got to repeat this at night. You just play the put the earphones on. Uh, uh, the one I used first was from Louise Hay's programs. And I, it, what was interesting about it is like, remember I said, the hypnotherapist get you're getting sleepy, you're getting tired. Well, on the self-help program, it's okay. Relax the muscles of your arms and you feel your arms, relax the muscles of your feet, giving you relaxation. Focus on the relaxation. And, and at some point, then when the relaxation exercise is complete, then the program starts, okay? The first time I put it on, I heard the beginning of the program. I got through the relaxation exercise and heard the beginning. The second time, I didn't even get through the relaxation exercises. The third time, virtually instantaneously, when the relaxation I started, I went to sleep. So guess what? It it, it was like, go to sleep exercise. As soon as I put the thing on, it's like, okay, you're feeling relaxed, close your eyes, all this stuff. And it's like, oh, it would I would go to sleep before the message even came on. But that was important because then allowed the message to play when I was asleep and my conscious mind was disconnected for the night, but my subconscious was in a short period of record. So number one, self-hypnosis. You want to change a belief system? Self-hypnosis. Number two, you still learn programs after age seven. I go, well, how did I learn a program after age seven? Because it, it, it wasn't a, a download at that after seven. I said, how did you learn something new? Drive a car. Play an instrument, do a job. I say, Oh, you practiced it. You repeated it. You habituated it. Habit mine. I say, well, How do you put a habit in? So you practice. You practice this and you practice, practice, practice. And one day you know it without even having to practice anymore. OK, so the point about it is, yeah, when you first got in a car, you didn't know how to drive a car, but there were so many things you had to pay attention to mirrors, windows, gauges, pedals on the floor, all that kind of stuff going on. I say today, you don't even think about those things. They're automatic. You put the key in and you're thinking about where you go. I'm going to the store. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. I say, you've just been driving. You started the car. You did all this. I said, you didn't even think about it. I go, no, habit. Once I know how to do it, the habit mind is a million times more powerful a computer than this conscious mind. So (laughs) uh, in emergencies, actually, your conscious mind gets shut off. And then you're operating from habit because it's faster. Reflexes. Great. Okay. So second way, you want to change your life, then create a habit of a new life, practice it. Uh, New agey, funny talk, to me, it's always funny. It's like, fake it till you make it. I go, what does that mean? I say, you're not a happy person. I say, you wanna be a happy person? I say, yeah, yeah, what do I do? I say, all day long, no matter unhappy you are, as many times during the day that it comes into your mind, you go, I am happy, I am happy, I am happy. I say, it's repetition that happens. And there'll be a day you wake up and you won't have to say I'm happy because the program woke you up. I was happy the moment I got awake. Now it's a program. You don't have to do it anymore. So you want to uh, uh, you know, change a program. Then you got A, the first way everybody learns, self-hypnosis. Okay. Second way is repetition, habituation, practice something. You can change your whole life. Uh, I can't remember the name. I always forget it. Renee Zellweger stars in a movie, The Diary of Somebody. Do you know what it was? What's The Diary of Somebody?
0: Oh, I can't think of what what it is, but I know what you're talking about.
1: It's the Renee Zellweger (laughs) Diary of Somebody movie. Yes. She plays a character. Listen to this. And there's two ways you play a character. One, you read all the lines so I remember the things to say. This is what I say. This is what I say. But there's another part to playing character, and that is... Behaving like the character, okay? Renee's character weighed 40 pounds heavier than she weighed. I go, so what? When she got into character with her mind, I am playing this character, not only did she learn the words, but she learned the the whole behavioral thing. She gained 40 pounds. And then guess what? Movie is finished, day the movie was finished, she lost forty pounds and went back to being Renee. She became the character that she wanted to be in the in the movie, and her life transformed into the expression of that character.
0: I just thought of it, Bridget Jones's Diary.
1: That's the one. Yeah, and, and it's just amazing. And I go, well, uh, the one to me, one of the most outstanding actors is Dustin Hoffman. And um, I remember I saw him in a movie called Midnight Cowboy, which was like, whoa, that was a seriously heavy movie. And, and Dustin Hoffman played this greasy street guy, Racho Rizzo. and But he was really good. And somebody said, well, if you think he's good, you should go see him in The Graduate. So I go to The Graduate. Graduate's about halfway over, and I say to the person next to me, when is Dustin Hoffman coming on? And they look at me like, Dustin Hoffman's been on since the beginning of the show. I go, oh, my God. He's somebody totally different in every way imaginable. So he's playing a very depressive character in a Broadway play called The uh, uh, Death of a Salesman. And he's so good at it. In the middle of the run of the play, successful play, he had to check himself into a hospital because of his depression. He became Willie Loman. And what I want you to understand is this. You want to be somebody else and create the character. Believe in that character. See that character. Just like you're studying it for a film. I like this character. What are the characteristics of this character? Start to put them in. The more real you can visualize that character, the more the visual of that character will be translated into the chemistry to make you match the character
0: is that a certain amount of time that it takes
1: well it depends you know some actors are really so good it doesn't take them a long time to do this and others it takes a little longer either way the time element was that wasn't the point the point was creating a new vision of what you want to be in this life and exercising that vision over and over in any different way, reading about it, making pictures about it, hearing music about it, every different way you can put in the image, it will strengthen that image in the subconscious mind. You will manifest it.
0: So guided imagery is big.
1: That's, that's what it's all about. Who do you want to be? So, first one, self hypnosis. Second one is repetition habituation. And the third one, there's a very important phrase called necessity is the mother of invention. Human civilization is destroying itself by undermining the web of life that we live in. Nature is collapsing, and that means we're going extinct. And I've been, I wrote a book about that. Well, we're going extinct. That's a reality. Science has recognized that the public hasn't heard very much. Every now and then they hear, oh, something's not right. Well, yeah, it's been not right scientifically for 15 years. We we as humans, our behavior is undermining the environment in which we live. We're polluting the air, are polluting the water, polluting the soil, messing up everything. We're we're just destroying garden. The conclusion of how to survive is. To change our beliefs as fast as we can because our behavior and our beliefs are precipitating a problem. So necessity is the mother of invention. We have a necessity to change our behavior as fast as we can. And guess what? A whole new type of psychology has arisen. It's called energy psychology. Like, what's energy psychology? It's not the typical cognitive psychology where you talk about, oh, this happened and that happened, blah, blah, blah. And then you cry. And then you're re-experiencing everything you didn't want to have the first time. You're re-experiencing again. Energy psychology doesn't give a damn how you got here, but it's because you're here. <laughs> and I say, what's the difference? I say, there's an old saying, don't kill the messenger over the message. And in this particular case, the behavior is the message. Now, many people had created experiences in your life that downloaded those messages. Do I need to beat them up? I say, no, those are the messengers. You, They're gone. They're not even here. You're still left with the program. You have to change the program. So, going backwards, that's not relevant because the program is manifesting in your life right now. It'd be a it cancer. As I said, not genetics. It's not in harmony with life. It's self destructive, not with the conscious wishes and spirit who you are. It has nothing to do with that. Your conscious mind has never once said, I want cancer. Never. Your conscious mind is, I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be in love. I want a great job. That's, everybody's got that mind. But you're not coming from that mind. You're coming from the subconscious program, 60% of which are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs that we were all downloaded with. 60% of the invisible behavior that you're playing every day, 95% of that day, 60% of that Negative behavior is self-sabotaging and you don't see it. You only see the result. Cancer is a result, okay? The gene didn't do this.
0: Yeah, this is just so powerful.
1: So I'll just conclude with this, Haley. So Because I mentioned energy psychology, there's a whole variety of ways to get there. My website is very simple, brucelipton.com. Underneath the, the menus and there is belief change modalities, and there's about 25 or more modalities of energy psychology, a little description of each and a website so you can check them out. The reason why I bring this up is how long does it take? I said, well, when you do self-hypnosis, you have to repeat it a lot because the brain is only in theta for a short period before you go to sleep, okay? Hit, uh, hit, you know The um, habituation part, I said, oh, you got to repeat it a lot, got to repeat it a lot. Energy psychology can change a belief in minutes and walk away. That's the powerful part. That's why energy psychology is so necessary. We don't have lots of time left to change who we are. And so energy psychology, I said, just go to my website and look them up because you can resolve those beliefs that Anita Morjani, was, she was carrying these beliefs that gave her the cancer. When she let go of the belief, the cancer went away. That is a fact. This is how it works, okay? Uh, I'm not part of the cancer industry. I used to be in the medical school. I know exactly what they're gonna say and all that. There's too much pharmaceutical connection to that level, which means it's an industry. And I try to step out of it. And if you get to the real knowing of everything I just said, then you recognize this, the gene didn't do this now. And it's easier to change the belief than to get rid of all the cancer cells. <laughs> the cancer cells, just like an Anita, they'll disappear once the belief is corrected. That's the resolution. You need to understand this because the other belief is you're just a victim of your genes, which that means you're a victim. And victim, by the definition, means you are powerless. You are not powerless. Epigenetics says, no, you control the genes. Well, it's time to step into that seat Because we have bought, as I said, from the very beginning, we bought the belief that genes control loss. And I go, 100% false. Mm.
0: Yes, it's so true. We have this victim mentality. And, you know, one of the reasons I did this podcast is to show people that we can take our power back when it comes to our health. And you just proved that. And I am so grateful. Just one last question before we get into Random Round. Yes. What is your best advice? And you probably already gave it, but just for someone who was just diagnosed with cancer or someone who has found out they have one of these genetic mutations, what would you say to them?
1: I say first thing, just look at where are you struggling in life and recognize that struggle is only built into the conscious or subconscious mind. And that if you understand that, then there's an opportunity to focus on where the problem is, not focusing on the cancer cells. That's the result of the problem. That to me is the most important thing. The cause is before the genes, <laughs> and this is your most powerful place to act.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So are you ready for Random Round?
1: Yes, I guess I'm ready.
0: <laughs> Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is?
1: Being able to create the life that I prefer to create rather than being programmed to fit into other people's perceptions.
0: The last show you binged and loved?
1: well there's so many of them but for this community i have a very interesting one uh the show is called dope sick it's one word d-o-p-e-s-i-c-k it was on hulu it is the true story of oxycontin but what i wanted to say about it is we have this belief like the Federal drug uh, Food and Drug Administration is supporting us. I go, no, they're in uh, cahoots with the pharmaceutical industry. And this video shows how that that relationship led to hundreds of thousands of people dying from OxyContin and the violence of, of people seeking money to get their OxyContin because they're addicts. And all this stuff came from a relationship between the government and the pharmaceutical company. And it's a true story. And it's really important because at some point we have to wake up and say, are they really our friends? And I go, if you're part of the 1% that have all the money, then they are your friends. And if you're not part of that 1%, no, you are just the customers. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do?
1: I immediately change the subject. Think of something different. That's all you had to do. Uh, and I know this so well in my life. Uh, very, very simply, I, I used to perceive myself as a manic depressive. I'd be happy and happy. And then once things started to go wrong, it was the spiral. It got worse, it got worse. Things got worse until I got down. And I could hear myself talking to myself like a parent to my child that's not good enough. Who do you think you are? And all of a sudden it goes in your back. You're having this conversation with yourself. And I was alone in my lab when stuff wasn't going well. And all of a sudden I was going through all this and I was so upset and a voice. There wasn't even anybody in the room, a voice. Don't you have anything better to do than to listen to this stuff? And I stopped for a second. I said, yeah, I'd rather go do a movie than to listen to this. So There's a newspaper. I picked up the newspaper, found a movie, went to the movie. And guess what? I came out of the movie. No depression. And then I realized every time if I started to go down, not every time, just a few, I started to go down. I started laughing, going, don't I have anything better to do? Of course, I'll go do this. And it became very quickly a habit. I say, so what's the point? I never get into that depressive discussion anymore. My mind automatically knows if I'm going there, what else are we going to do? And and this is your power. And if you don't exercise it, then it takes you. But you have power. And I say, what? If it starts to get depressing, go to something else, man. Just stop the program by doing anything else. Because the moment you stop thinking about it, you've you've cut the cut the program. It's cut. It's gone right now. It's not going to show. It's really important to to own that. It's very hard because your automatic behavior will perpetuate that discussion <sighs> until I changed it. And I, it was actually how long did it take to change? Ah, oh, almost instantaneously because it, it was funny to me. It was that's what, when I start to go depressed a little bit. I start laughing. I think, "Oh yes, <laughs> don't I have anything better to do." And I just go do it. And then, as I said, it, it works so fast that now I, I don't get to the point of depression because the brain knows if I start to go that way, it automatically says, let's go do something else. And the moment you stop thinking, whatever that was, it's over. A a little story, just because I have you on, you have me, and I'm going to tell you a story, okay? I love it because it's a a new one that I'm putting in my lecture because I enjoyed the story. And it's like two Buddhist monks, you have to recognize Buddhist monks in, in their devotional world are not allowed to touch women. That's against the rule. No touching of women. Okay? So these two Buddhist monks are walking along a trail, and they come to a river. And at the river, there's a woman at the uh, edge of the river right there, uh, crying and crying. And they say, what's wrong? Well, she was all dressed up in her wedding clothes, and she had to go to the wedding, but she can't. The river's too high. She can't get across. And she was crying because she was going to ruin all of her day and marriage and everything. And so one monk just picks her up walks across the other side of the river, deposits her on the bank. The two monks keep walking. An hour down the road, the monk who didn't pick her up looks at the one who did pick her up and said, you know you picked up that woman back there? You're not supposed to pick up the woman? And the one who picked her up said, I left her on the bank an hour ago. You're still carrying her. That was the point. How long you want to carry this? She dropped you know, down, game over, let's keep going. The other one kept all the hour oh, in his mind. He's carrying a woman. He's carrying a woman. <laughs> no, uh, 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 he's the one that suffered with it. He, the other guy didn't suffer. He was like, oh, she was down. He's on to the next thing already. Go on to the next thing. It's so fun because when you do it and manifest it like, oh, my God, I'm not there. I'm somewhere else. I go, you'll love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why?
1: Jean-Baptiste de Lamarck. You go, who the hell is Lamarck? He wrote the first scientific theory of evolution 50 years before Charles Darwin, 1809. And his version of the theory of evolution is far more accurate than, uh, uh, than Darwin's. But then you say, who is Lamarck? And the answer is, with all of his brilliance They put him down because what he was saying was antagonistic to the upper class and to the church about evolution. So they got rid of him and he died a pauper thrown into a pauper's unmarked grave with a pile of people, the creator of the science of evolution, the founder of the term biology disappears from this planet after his most major contribution, only coming into the world. Right now, 210 years later, are we recognizing he was right? <laughs> and Darwin is wrong. Incredible. Because Darwin says life is a struggle for survival and it's based on competition, it turns out. A garden from which we came is a garden. I say, What's right? A garden? A garden is not a battleground. A garden is the height of cooperation of every organism in that garden. The garden we came from. We stepped outside of it and thought we can do you know, what we want. Now that we're busy destroying the garden, it might be time to wake up and recognize our mission is to go back and be gardeners, just like the Native Americans knew a few hundred years, thousand years ago. Uh, we need to do that because uh, we're creating our own extinction. Yes. And I just traveled on with that story for some reason, Haley. I don't know, but it sounded good <laughs> at
0: the time. That's okay. It's a good one. What is one simple thing that brings you joy?
1: Love. Love is harmony. It's it, it's not just with my partner Margaret, it's not just with my family, it's with my community, my environment, my food, anything, it, uh, it, it's love. Because that is the highest energy on this planet.
0: And what's on your nightstand? <laughs>
1: No nightstand. I sleep outside under the stars every night on the porch because I live here in California where no humidity, no bugs. and I live right near the coast, so every night I sleep under the stars with fresh air and there's no night table there at all.
0: <laughs> uh, perfect. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that. <laughs> What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now?
1: My life. I'm so happy to be alive because the simple truth, if you understand my science, uh, BruceLipton.com. if you understand my science, you'll recognize what I learned. And that is you you don't die and go to heaven. You were born here into heaven because here is where you create. And if you look at the world and you say it doesn't look good, it's like, well, you've been programmed, but you can change that. Create heaven on earth. Mm-hmm.
0: So beautiful. Thank you so, so much for your time. This was just such a pleasure. And I am so appreciative.
1: Haley, I'm so appreciative. You asked me to be on this program. And I'm so delighted. And I said, the more important thing is not just you and I talking, because we know what we're talking here at some level, it's the audience. Because I really want to empower them because they have some belief that they're powerless individuals and they don't recognize you are co creators of the life you're in. And as co-creators, you can change the life you're in, if you know that. But if you were programmed to be a victim, then I'm sorry, then you'll behave as a victim. Anything in history before this lecture, if you hadn't heard this before, is irrelevant, because that was before you knew how things work. If you understand how things work, then it's from here to the future that's important. Past is irrelevant. You didn't understand how it worked and how can you be blamed or guilty or, you know, have a negative thing about what happened in the past right up to now. Uh, You can't because nobody told you how it worked, but I'm hoping I'm offering that. And I want to thank Haley for letting me get on this soapbox because I want to empower you. And you say, why? Because first of all, I'm the first student of all this because I'm the science guy that saw it. And then all of a sudden I had to make my life based on my <laughs> lessons that I acquired from the cells. And now I know it's like, oh, my God, you can have heaven on earth. I had to understand how mechanisms, behave. let me talk about them. But the point about it is if you understand this and you create your heaven here, don't wait. It's here where you're creative. And if you understand that, then heaven on earth is a reality for you every day of this life. And I only know that to be for the last 26 years because I haven't finished every day the rest of my life. But uh, for 26 years, it's heaven on earth that I wake up to every day in love.
0: Mm so beautiful and so empowering. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you, dear audience, for being with us. I so appreciate that. Thank you.
0: That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember. The sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.